0: The following message is from the church at Greer Station. For more information, visit tcgreerstation.com. This is our third week in the Proverb series, The Way of Wisdom. And on the first week, Trevor preached about wisdom and how we should desire to grow in our wisdom. Last week, Jim preached about folly and about how it is both uh, ignorant and yet enticing to us. And tonight, we will look at speech and the tongue and how it can harm our relationships. So the passage tonight is going to be from Proverbs 26, verse 18 through chapter 27, 2, as Tyler has read. And if you're not there, if you want to turn there, I'm going to tell you a quick story. So... Uh, I'm totally about to out myself and herself with this, but for those who don't know, Hannah Squires and I have been dating for roughly about the past four months now, and uh, things are going very well. However, one of the things that you learn, or that I have learned at least in the past four months, is that I should think before I speak. And a lot of times, right, like you get told that by your parents when you're growing up, you get told that by your grandparents when you're growing up, and and your teachers even say the same thing, but relationships just for some reason take that to a whole nother level. And so for uh, the example, one time Hannah and I were sitting at a coffee shop together. She was doing schoolwork and I was doing school, or she was doing work and I was doing schoolwork and she received, I don't know if it was a text or an email, but she received some news that made her upset and and she became worried about what was going to happen. And this event was going to be a couple months down the road from the time that this took place. And so uh, it was a few months away, yet she was still worried and she was still frustrated about it and what might happen. And so as any guy wants to do for her girl, right, you just want to make sure that you encourage her with uh, words, right? You want to make sure that your words are encouraging to her. And so uh, as she was worried and she continued to voice her concerns and her frustrations to me, I was thinking in my head what my response to her was going to be. And so uh, I had finally decided what it was going to be. I waited until she was done speaking. And when she had finished voicing her frustrations and concerns about the situation, I uh, looked her in the eyes, knowing that my time had come to rescue my fair lady from her distress. And I looked her dead in the eyes, and I said, Hannah, I really don't think dwelling on a future possibility is really worth being that upset. And uh, if you know anything about what you should and should not say to somebody, you learn that that was what you should not say, okay? That was one of those instances. And so uh, what I learned from that situation, long story short, is that I made it worse because though I was well-intentioned with my speech, it was not very thoughtful. And thankfully, by the grace of God and also the grace of Hannah, we are still together uh, and everything is all... Good, but maybe you have experienced a sim—you simula- a, a sim- have experienced a situation similar to this one. However, maybe you did not experience the same reconciliation after. We're all familiar with the saying, "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me." And we all know that this saying is just simply not true. And oftentimes, physical wounds will heal long before our emotional wounds do. And I'm sure that each person sitting in the room right now can think back to a time where somebody has said something to you that still hurts you. This could have been said yesterday, it could have been said last week, it could have been said last month, last year, a decade ago, whatever it might be, these words that this person told you still hurt you today. Why is that? Well, that's because quite simply, our words just do stuff. Uh, They evoke emotion and they uh, enact uh, responses. Words like, I have a dream and Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall have shaped the course of history. Why? Because our words do stuff. Words like, you will never amount to anything and I'm so proud of you can alter the trajectory of somebody's life. Why? Because our words do stuff. They are meaningful. Words affect the way that we act. They also uh, affect how we respond, and words affect how we think and what we should think. This is why, as a church, that we sing the songs that we sing, we use the liturgy we use, and we preach the texts that we preach because our words are important, and what our mouth says is important. Our tongues hold both the power of life and death. Though the tongue possesses such power, we often cannot control it And we end up destroying marriages, families, relationships, and friendships. Solomon understood this, and he wrote about it in the Proverbs. And he warns us repeatedly about it. And so the main idea that I want us to grasp together tonight is this. Harmful words reveal a heart that is out of tune with Jesus. Again, harmful words reveal a heart that is out of tune with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I ask tonight that your word will permeate within us, Father, that it will change who we are as people, Father, the words that we use. I ask the Spirit to give us ears that hear your word and eyes to see what you call us to do, Father, and we ask that you give us a heart that is changed because of it. And as we look to the scriptures, I ask that you help us to understand the power of our speech, how it can build and how it can tear down. Father, help us to be mindful of what we say, so that we may better proclaim the gospel to the people in Greer and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. All right. So, as I said before, the, the Proverbs warn us of many types of harmful speech. So, tonight what I'm going to do for us is outline four types of harmful speech found in the Proverbs. And if you're ready to dive into the word together, let me hear a big hearty amen. All right, let's look at verses 18 and 19. Verse 18 says, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Now, the first type of harmful speech that we're going to take a look at is deceptive speech. Deceptive speech is embellishment or exaggeration. It's half-truths and omissions or even intentional misrepresentation. Now, as a kid, I I can think back to times where my parents uh, would send me to bed and they would say something like, Nicholas, just go straight to bed, don't listen to any music, don't play your Game Boy, like just go straight to bed and go to sleep. And if you know anything about children, you just know that this is not where (laughs) the story ends, right? And so I would get in bed and I would try to go to sleep uh, for about a minute or so and then I'd just get really bored and then I would take my Game Boy, I would open it, and then I'd begin playing a game that I wanted to play. It was probably Elf, the video game. And as I would hear my parents coming down the hallway, I would pause the game, close the Game Boy, set it to the side, pull the covers over, and act like I was asleep, right? Whether or not they came into the room, I was going to look like I was asleep. And then when they would go back down the other side of the hallway, I'd pull it back out, and it was a nice game of cat and mouse for uh, a few minutes till I actually fell asleep. And so this is deception, it is the act of deliberately making somebody believe something that is not true. And we often do this with our words. We do this and we create false realities with our words. We've all exaggerated about that one fish that we've caught or, or we've left out details about a situation uh, to lessen a coming punishment. I think of children who will deceive to get out of trouble even when they're told by their parents that if they come clean and tell the truth that uh, they won't have a punishment. Yet the children still cannot tell the truth. They still deceive and lie. Teenagers will deceive so that they can go somewhere they aren't supposed to or they cheat in school to get better grades. And adults, we do this as well. We, we deceive by telling our boss that we're sick in order to get out of work or, or we hide things from our spouse or, or our family members. And that is deception. But also, further than that, deception also not only deceives the person who's being deceived, but it also deceives the one who's doing the deceiving, if you can follow that train of thought with me. So the deceiver is deceived by his own deception, by saying things like, oh, well, this isn't really that bad, or, or it's just a little small white lie, even though we know in our heart that uh, what we say and what we do will eventually come back to bite us. Proverbs also says that deceptive speech is perversion. If you look with me on the screen, I have 3 references for you from Proverbs about perverse speech. Proverbs 2:12 says, "Wisdom delivers you from the way of evil and from men of perverted speech." Proverbs 4:24 says, "Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you." Proverbs 15:4 says, "A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit." Perversion is more than just crude jokes or crude talking or cursing. It is distortion or even sometimes even blatant disregard for what is true. It calls sin a good thing, and it even justifies our sin. Again, I've got two references from this uh, in the Proverbs. Proverbs twenty-four, twenty-four: Whoever says to the wicked you are in the right will be cursed by peoples and abhorred by nations. Proverbs 30.20 says, this is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Calling sin something other than what it is, which is sin, is perverse speech because it blatantly distorts what Scripture teaches us about sin. Calling sin a good thing has had catastrophic effects on our culture today with issues such as abortion or homosexuality or transgenderism. And even Christians in general are on the fence regarding whether or not these things are sinful. But we do the same thing, we use perverse speech, when we neglect or minimize divorce, gossip, self-righteousness, laziness, and so on, I could go down the list. When we act like our sin is not sin, or we justify our sin as if it is no big deal, we use perverse speech. With our mouths, we rationalize, minimize, and even excuse our sin and even the sins of others. And we, when we use deceptive speech, we, as the Proverbs said, we throw firebrands and we shoot arrows and we bring forth death. So why do we use it? Well, I think that's because as sinful people, we just want to live how we want to live. We want to avoid repentance and we want to live on our own terms. And so deceptive speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus because Christ has called us to be people and seekers of the truth. Again, deceptive speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus, because Christ has called us to be both people and seekers of the truth. Look with me again in verses 20 through 22 as we move forward. Verse 20, For lack of wood the fire goes out, and when there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels, and they go down into the inner parts of the body. This second type of harmful speech is whispering speech. This is the type of speech that happens in secret or in the dark. It happens behind closed doors. It, it often begins in our own heart before it comes out in our words. Whispering speech is contentious and quarrelsome. Whispering speech loves to stir up and create conflict. It, it loves to argue and to disagree about literally anything. It can be music, movies, sports, shows. Uh, a lot of times it happens in politics. And we love to hear our own voices. And we want everyone to know that we have an opinion on everything. And oftentimes we think that our own opinion on these things are always true. That we can never be... Wrong, And so that's why we always tell other people that they're wrong and that is contentious and quarrelsome. We start our sentences with things like, well, actually that's not the case. Or we say things like, well, I think think you've just missed the point. You can find examples of this a lot, right, on the comment section of Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or whatever else that might be. But this is not only a social media problem, right? This also can happen in our life together as a church, as the church at Greer Station. We might complain about things that people wear or the music that we sing, the demographics, the ministries, and we can even complain about the location. And I'm guilty of certainly complaining about the location in my own heart. Uh, Those couple of months that we were outside in the summer at res on the lawn were just brutal. Like, I can think back of being there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we're doing sound check and rehearsal, and I'm like inhaling 50 gnats, and it's just like, it's horrible. And uh, that is contentious and quarrelsome speech. It starts in the heart, and it comes out in our words. Nothing ever seems to be to our liking. We spread dissension, and we stir trouble in an attempt to get what we want. And we even can say things like, well, if this issue, whatever it is, fill in the blank, doesn't change around here, I'm just going to get up and leave. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying about this. This is not to say that as Christians, we should never fight for truth. As I said in the first point, we should be seekers and people of the truth. And so we should absolutely fight for gospel truth without hesitation. However, we should not seek to make conflict, nor should we make our conditional opinions about trivial matters, the unconditional truths for other people. And again, preferences are okay to have, but we should always focus on the main thing. We should never argue about preference. And when we are contentious, we are just like, as the proverb said, charcoal to hot embers and wood to a fire. When we argue for the sake of arguing, we ignite dissension and, and distrust, and we flare up conflict and division. But whispering speech is not just contentious, it is also gossip and slanderous. If you look with me on the screen, I have other proverbs for you as well. Proverbs 11:13 says whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Proverbs 16, 28, A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisper separates close friends. Proverbs 20:19 Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. Have you ever said something like don't tell anyone this but and then you've proceeded to tell a secret to somebody that maybe a friend has entrusted to you or a coworker has entrusted to you to keep a secret. Or have you ever said something like, I just can't believe that he or she would do blank. And then you proceed to tear down that individual's character behind their back. If you answered a yes to either or both of these questions, I certainly share in your guilt. Again, when when we gossip and slander, we we say these things in secret, and we do it behind closed doors and in the dark. And when we do this, we are like charcoal to hot embers and wood to a fire. We invite division and separation to come into our relationships and into our friendships and even into the church. Now, why do we use whispering speech? Well, I think that's because as sinful people, we like to think that we are always right, right? And we also enjoy feeling like we are always in the know, that we always know everything about what's going on. And whispering speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus because we are called to encourage one another and build each other up. Again, whispering speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus because we are called to encourage one another and build each other up. Look with me in verse 23 as we go through verse 28. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel, are fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victim, and a flattering mouth works ruins. So this third type of harmful speech that we see in the Proverbs is flattering speech. Flattering speech is smooth talk, right? It, it goes down easy. It's easy to give, and it's easy to receive, and it's usually done to elicit reactions from somebody in order to get something that you want. It's manipulative. It, it is done only to advance yourself rather than giving genuine compliments to other people. And we offer praise that is not sincere in order to gain something from them. Look with me in verse 23. It's a great depiction of what our flattery does. Flattery is like the glaze covering an earthen vessel. When we look at pottery, right, we see, we see beautiful and we see elegant designs. And we use it for dishes and for cups. We eat off of it and we drink out of it. However, but underneath the paint and all of the design, we see what the pottery is in its true form. And that is mud. Mud. Right? It's dirty. And it's just covered with glaze in order to make it look beautiful. That's exactly what our speech does when we use flattery. It covers our dirty and impure hearts. We cover up our hatred and we make our words look beautiful. I I can even think back even earlier in verse nineteen when we cover up our hatred and we and we say things like, I was only joking. Right? We say that as into we say something, it's hurt somebody's feelings, and we just cover it with this glaze uh, in order to uh, make ourselves look better. It goes down easy. We cover up our motives by telling um, the boss how great he is, just only to get uh, a pay raise or a promotion in our job. And I'm sure you can think of other ways flattery has uh, been prevalent in your own life. With our flattering speech, we dig a pit, as the proverb said we dig a pit and we, and we fall into it and with our flattering speech we begin rolling a stone only for the stone to come back and crush us so why do we use it? well, I think we use it because as sinful people we are filled with selfish desires in order to advance ourselves before other people flattering speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus because Christ has called us to die to ourselves and not be concerned with self-exaltation again Flattering speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus because Christ has called us to die to ourselves and not be concerned with self-exaltation. Look with me as we move forward again. This time chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Bragging speech is incessant self-promotion. It always happens. We always talk about ourselves to other people. We always bring the conversation full circle back around to us. And it's done to make ourselves look better in front of other people. Everybody can identify one person who they've interacted with that always just seems to one-up everybody else. They can always do you one better. Uh, I think this is a great example. I think that you can uh, maybe say that you've taken a picture of the Blue Ridge Mountains, okay, as the sun was setting behind it, and you think it's a beautiful picture. It's great, right? You love the picture, and so you want to share it with people. And so you go on there, uh, and, and you show somebody this picture, this type of boastful person. You show them this picture. And they're like, oh yeah, that is gorgeous, that's really, that is really pretty. And then they take out their phone, which is like the iPhone 37, it's not even released yet, it's got like 12 cameras on the back of it, and it takes gorgeous pictures, and they show you the eight times they've been to Paris, the 12 times they've been to Bora Bora, and the 20 times they've been to the Grand Canyon. And you're just sitting there, and you're like, dude, I just wanted to show you this picture of the sunset behind the mountains, right? And so that's boastful speech, like it always comes back full circle to you, and it's done to make yourself look better before other people. And oftentimes, our culture uh, finds this to be what is needed, right? That self-praise and self-exaltation is seen as good and necessary to move forward. And this is somewhat of a, of a byproduct of having a self-centered culture. But the Proverbs tell us that we should not praise ourselves or embellish our own accomplishments. Rather, we need to let others praise us not with our, uh, and not use our own lips, but let another stranger's lips praise us, and that we should receive that praise with both grace and humility. So why do we use bragging speech? I think that's because as sinful people we are insecure about things in our own life and we desire to exalt ourselves before other people. Bragging speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus because Christ calls us to boast in Him alone. Again, bragging speech reveals a heart that is out of tune with Jesus because Christ calls us to boast in Him alone. So now what? We've looked at the Proverbs and we've seen what they have to say about our harmful speech and the four ways that our speech can be harmful. We've learned that walking in foolishness with our words has all sorts of negative consequences and ultimately it can lead to destruction of relationships. But it's also more than just that. It's not just that deception ruins friendships or careers, It's not just that being contentious will cause conflict and divide groups. It's not just that flattery will ruin a marriage or a family. It's not just that gossip and slander will divide friends and hurt people's feelings. And it's not just that bragging makes people nauseated to be around you. Yes, all of these things are true. But the biggest problem with harmful speech is this, that it separates us from God. And further, it invites His judgment Upon us. Jesus says in Matthew twelve thirty-six, I tell you on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak. Verses like Proverbs 10 31 warn us that the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. Proverbs nineteen nine adds that a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. And so all of the broken relationships that we experience in this life are just a foretaste of our eternity, one that is separated from Christ. A broken relationship on earth and a bro- broken relationship with God is the end result of our harmful speech that is an eternity separated and broken relationship from God. With our mouths, we bless God and we curse man. It is because of our hypocritical speech that we bring forth judgment upon ourselves. And there is coming a day, as Jesus said himself, when all people will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will judge us for every careless word that we have spoken to other people and even have said in our own hearts. And if you've been following, this leaves us in a very miserable and desperate place, right? This is not a desirable place to be in separated from God for eternity because of our harmful speech. But I offer you this hope in these words from Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. It says, Behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands, crying aloud, With one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As Christians, we have hope that our deceiving, whispering, flattering, and bragging lips will be exchanged for lips that offer eternal worship to Christ Jesus as we shout together that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. We have this hope because Christ never sinned with his mouth. Deceit uh, never came from his lips and he never harmed anyone with his words. Jesus totally and completely lived out the Proverbs on our behalf, yet he took the punishment for our harmful speech in order to provide us forgiveness from sin. The humble king came and he died for the bragger, and the prince of peace came and died for the contentious. Ultimately, Christ came to bear our sin and our shame in full on the cross, and this truth should grip you. Right? This should totally change the way you view your speech. You no longer need to lie or gossip, slander or flirt. You no longer need to exalt yourself with your words because Christ gives grace to the humble. You no longer need to justify yourself because Christ has already justified you by his blood. You no longer need to be slanderous and unforgiving because Christ has already forgiven you. You, do, you will not need the approval of others because you already have the approval of God through Christ. Because he is our intercessor, he is our great high priest, and he is our one mediator between God and man. His blood speaks on our behalf. Again, our words do stuff. They are powerful and our tongue is difficult to tame. We destroy other people with our words, but... Thankfully, we have these words from God that overcome our sinful tongues from Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus no longer have condemnation from their harmful speech because Christ has already came and and lived a life with no deceitful speech. He never harmed anybody with His words that I mentioned earlier. That is why we can stand before the throne with no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Right. Praise God that we have these words, right? that this should totally alter the way that we think about our speech and, and the way that we live and the way that we interact with other people because Christ has already cleansed us from our sins and from our harmful speech if you are in Christ. These words from Romans 8.1 lead us to one of two responses. First, if you are a believer, I would encourage you to take the next few moments to thank God for His mercy and grace that He has extended to you in Christ. Thank God that Christ came to bear the punishment for your sins, including your harmful speech. Thank God that you no longer face any condemnation because Christ has died a sacrificial death in your place. And I would also encourage you that if you have sin in your life that you have not turned away from or confessed with your mouth before the Lord, do that. Because as we read earlier, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Further, maybe you're harboring bitterness towards someone from something that they have said to you or done to you. Confess that to the Lord. Give up your bitterness to the Lord. But also, don't just stop there. Seek reconciliation from person to person as well. Seek forgiveness from the person that you're harboring bitterness towards. And the second response is this, if you are not a believer, I would encourage you to know Christ tonight. Jesus stands with his arms spread wide, ready to save all who come to him and confess with their mouth and with their words that Jesus is Lord and that God had raised him from the dead. Your relationship with God does not have to look like relationships you may have experienced here on earth that are broken because of your harmful speech. You no longer need to live with guilt or shame from things you have said or done to others because Christ will forgive you. And by the work of the Holy Spirit, Christ will empower you to walk in righteousness and put off harmful speech. Now, in a few moments, we are going to sing Come Thou Fount to close the service. And we're going to even ask in in the song that we sing, we're going to ask God to tune our heart to sing His grace. And we're going to ask God to teach us a melodious sonnet that is sung by the host of heaven above. But before we do that, we're going to take a few moments to reflect. Like I said, take this time to confess sin before the Lord if you have not done so already. There are uh, reflection questions on the back of the bulletin as well that you can follow. And you can think through and work through and pray through those Use time, like I said, to confess your sin before the Lord or even seek reconciliation with somebody tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. And, Father, that it never returns void and that it will never change. Your word is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. We are thankful that you have offered us forgiveness for our harmful speech through your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we have hope that our lips will one day be exchanged for lips that will offer him worship for eternity. We ask that the Holy Spirit will continue to convict us of our sins, including our harmful speech, and that the Spirit will continue uh, continue to mold us into the image of Christ until the day that he returns. And Father, may our speech reflect the love that you have for us. And Father, we pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.